Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with your host, Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about bone marrow transplant with Dr. Nikita Shah. Dr. Shaw is director of the Pediatric Bone Marrow Transplant Program at the Yale School of Medicine, where Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology. So, Nikita, maybe we can start off by you telling us a little bit more about yourself and what it is you do. So, I'm pediatric bone marrow transplant physician, and I'm here at Yale since 2016, and we do many transplant here. We are the only transplant program in state of Connecticut. And since 2019, we also do CAR-T. Bone marrow transplant is something that uh, people may have heard a little bit about, but may not be really familiar with um, what it is. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit more about what exactly that is and, and who uh, needs a bone marrow transplant and when? So bone marrow transplant is a process where we remove patients' own bone marrow and replace it with the new bone marrow from either patient's own previously collected bone marrow or from a different donor. So we will focus today on mainly on allogenic stem cell transplant or allogenic bone marrow transplant where we replace patient's own bone marrow with a some different healthy donor. Now, bone marrow transplant is required for those patients whose bone marrow is not working properly, either from their birth or they acquired some disease like leukemia down the road, which is not curable or not treatable with the regular chemotherapy. And in those conditions, we replace the disease marrow with the healthy bone marrow with the goal is once this healthy bone marrow is established in patient's bone marrow and starts working, they produce the normal healthy blood cells and that does cure the patients from their underlying disease. So so let's dive a little bit deeper into that. So you mentioned that bone marrow transplant is really there for people whose bone marrow isn't working properly, either because of a condition from birth or because of an acquired condition kind of like leukemia. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the conditions from birth might be that um, people might have bone marrows that aren't working properly and might require a bone marrow transplant? Yes, definitely. So the, there are many patients or the people whose bone marrow is not working from the birth, which develops down the road either completely aplastic or their bone marrow is not at all working. So, or there some of the elements of the bone marrow is not working. Now, I think most of us know there are three types of blood cells. One is white blood cells, other is red blood cells, and the third one is platelets. So if the patient's bone marrow is not working from birth, they might have complete non-functioning bone marrow. So they don't have any of these three types of different types of blood cells, or they may just have their red blood cell is not working, or white blood cells is not working, or platelet is not working. So they either have anemia, 
or their white blood cells is not there, so they have more risk of infection, or their platelet is not working, so they may have more bleeding disorder. So one of the most common among this is um, the hemoglobinopathies, where they're in, within their red blood cells, their hemoglobin is not properly developed. And so those patients are called having the hemoglobinopathies where their hemoglobin is not properly developed. So they have less red blood cells and in turn they have also, or their red blood cells are destroyed very quickly and in turn they have more anemia and also other related disorder. So can you tell us a little bit more about, maybe give us an example of what some of these conditions might be? When we talk about people not having red blood cells or white blood cells or platelets, for many people who may be listening, that that may seem really rather odd because many of us are used to having these blood cells. We often take our blood cells really rather for granted, knowing that they're there and working. Um, So what conditions... Um, might lead to these hemoglobinopathies or other conditions um, that uh, the bone marrow is not working? And and how common are they? So one of the most common I will mention here in the hemoglobinopathy where the defect is in their red blood cells, hemoglobin, and that one is sickle cell anemia, which is most common hemoglobinopathy in the world. The other uh, hemoglobinopathy is thalassemia. Uh, Also, then if we go through the other red uh, blood cells, like white blood cells or the platelets, these are less common where there are congenital neutropenia or congenital thrombocytopenia. Or if all cells are not working well, there are few common bone marrow failure condition which are present since birth. These are called Fanconi anemia or dyskeratosis congenita. But all these disorders are far less common than the most common hemoglobinopathy we see, which is sickle cell anemia. It is almost every year there are 300,000 kids um, um, with sickle cell anemia born in the world. And uh, in United States, one in every 360 African-American or one in every 16,000 Hispanic patients, uh, people have this hemoglobinopathy, which is called sickle cell anemia. And in this uh, hemoglobinopathy, their hemoglobin, there is only one of the building block of their hemoglobin gene is replaced by the different block and that cause their sickle cell or they, they, that cause them to have the sickle cell hemoglobinopathy, which is different than what we all have as a normal hemoglobin, hemoglobin in our uh, red blood cells. So if we have a normal hemoglobin, our red blood cell is like a donut soft, spongy, while if they have a sickle cell hemoglobinopathy, hemoglobin in their uh, red blood cells, their red blood cell looks like sickle, which is like the name, as the name suggests, sickle. And it is not soft, it's hard, rigid. So they that red blood cells breaks down easily. And that is the main cause of sickle cell uh, disease, which uh, develops in sickle cell anemia patients. 
And so for all of these kids who um, have sickle cell anemia, where they have these red blood cells that form these crescent-like sickles um, that are, are hard instead of being spongy donuts like the rest of us who have normal red blood cells, um, how does that really affect them in terms of their everyday health? I mean, can you explain to our listeners how the shape and consistency, for lack of a better word, of these red blood cells impacts a, a patient's day-to-day life? I mean, who really cares about the size and shape and consistency of a, of a red cell? I totally agree that the general populations might not know how um, the sickle cell anemia affects um, each and every person who has this sickle cell anemia. So as I uh, mentioned earlier that the sickle cell anemia has a uh, patients have a red blood cells which are sickle cell, which are rigid and easily breaking down. Be- and they are, um, they, so because of that presence in the red blood cells or the red blood cells, say being sickle cell, their blood can't reach each and every organ like the tiny fingers or the where the blood has to reach uh, through the small blood vessels. So particularly when they are experiencing some cold weather or they have infection, their sickle cell can't reach where it needs to go and they break down. And when your red blood cells are not reaching um, those area, like even the bone or the kidneys or the lungs, then you develop all the complications. And the most common uh, effect initially in their lifespan we see is the pain crisis because the blood is not reaching to those required um, area where it needs to go and they experience the severe pain crisis. They also have an increased rate of infection because their immunity also down the road goes down. And then down the road, if this continues, they may have many lung complications like called the acute chest syndrome where they develop uh, pneumonia-like symptoms and they may need the hospitalization and we need to bring down their sickle cell number by giving the trans- regular blood transfusion. And if this issue continues, their, most of the other organs also gets affected like kidneys, lungs, eye even. They may have also risk of stroke because the blood flow to the brain also is affected. And because of this chronic changes in the lung, they may also have pulmonary hypertension. They have the eye changes. They also have the spleen also down the road stop working well. So they have also uh, increased risk of infection. So that acute complication, if they continues to develop, down the road they develop into the chronic morbidity. And they, it affects their lifestyle and their quality of life. And down the road, their lifespan also is reduced compared to the normal population. So the size and shape of these blood cells really does make a difference in terms of where they can go. And that in turn has an impact on, you know, the function of of, of various organs. Now, you mentioned that one of the ways to get around this is uh, with blood transfusions. So if these patients um, get blood transfusions uh, and are transfused with blood cells that are donut-shaped and squishy, um, then potentially those blood cells can get to places. So 
How about that option? I mean, does every patient with sickle cell anemia need a bone marrow transplant or um, are transfusions good enough for some patients? No, transfusion is definitely a good enough for the acute condition if, we, if it develops in the sickle cell uh, disease patient. However, some of the patients who are very high risk of developing into the chronic conditions like those patients who have experienced um, early stroke or their brain blood vessels already have started developing the sick, uh, changes because of the sickle cell anemia, in those patients, if you give the chronic blood transfusion like every month, you can give them the normal healthy hemoglobin every month, which will dilute their underlying sickle cell uh, hemoglobin numbers and you can reduce the uh, complication. However, blood transfusion in a chronic stage also has many complications so that you can't continue for lifelong because you will be exposed to many, many blood transfusing um, transfusion products and each blood transfusion also carries with it the increased iron which comes from our red blood cells. So those patients have to go through those complications down the road. So it is better for them if they have available donor to go for bone marrow transplant, which is the only curative option right now for sickle cell anemia patient. Well, we're going to take a short break for a medical minute, but on the other side of the break, we'll learn more about bone marrow transplantation and how exactly we can help in, in the care of pediatric patients with my guest, Dr. Nikita Shaw. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers comes from Smilo Cancer Hospital where you can view videos from their survivorship team by searching for the Smilo Survivorship Playlist on YouTube. Genetic testing can be useful for people with certain types of cancer that seem to run in their families. Genetic counseling is a process that includes collecting a detailed personal and family history, a risk assessment, and a discussion of genetic testing options. Only about 5 to 10% of all cancers are inherited, and genetic testing is not recommended for everyone. Individuals who have a personal and or family history that includes cancer at unusually early ages, multiple relatives on the same side of the family with the same cancer, more than one diagnosis of cancer in the same individual, rare cancers, or family history of a known altered cancer predisposing gene could be candidates for genetic testing. Resources for genetic counseling and testing are available at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as Yale Cancer Center and at Smilo Cancer Hospital. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Nikita Shaw. We're talking about the care of pediatric patients and bone marrow transplant. And Nikita, right before the break, we were talking about uh, patients with sickle cell anemia and how many of these patients uh, will need recurrent uh, blood transfusions to try to get over some of these acute crises that they have due to blood vessels that are sickled in shape. And you mentioned that while blood transfusions are great and necessary in the acute setting, 
doing blood transfusions in a chronic way um, has a number of potential complications, everything from infections to iron overload to to a number of uh, other other issues. And one of the things you mentioned was that bone marrow transplants is, at the moment, the only curative option. Tell us a little bit more about how that works. Not all patients with sickle cell disease should be taken for trans- bone marrow transplant right away. As we know, there are many other supportive care therapy available for sickle cell anemia or sickle cell disease patients apart from the blood transfusion. Um 50 years back, prophylaxis, penicillin addition also helped them reduce the infection-related disease, which was initially started by one of our own mentors here at Yale, Dr. Howard Pearson, who suggested that preventing the pneumococcal infection um, by giving the penicillin prophylaxis, you can reduce the infection-related death in first uh, decade of uh, life for sickle cell disease. Later on, pneumococcal vaccine was also added. And there are also some medicine. All this uh, approach helped them reduce the complication related to the sickle cell disease. However, um, it's not curative. So those patients need to take some of this uh, disease-modifying agents lifelong to reduce those complications like hydroxyurea or newer, uh, newly uh, approved medicine. However, to cure the disease, we need to completely change their bone marrow, say their bone marrow doesn't develop sickle cell disease. So who, which patient benefit? Those patients who are experiencing more complication, who requires hospitalization, who develops acute chest syndrome, like pneumonia-like syndrome every year, or they have developed some stroke-like symptoms or has developed stroke. So these type of patients can benefit if you do the transplant with available donor early, then they don't have those uh, more uh, complications in their lifespan and we reduce their chronic morbidity. So to do the bone marrow transplant, we need somebody else bone marrow who is exactly like them. Like when we give blood transfusion, we check patient and donor's blood group. So in bone marrow transplant, we do this by doing the HLA typing, where uh, this is a human leukocyte antigen typing, which is all the blood cells in our body. They have some surface markers, which helps them to identify that the given new cells are their own or are mimicking like their own, and they are not different. So those cells are accepted by the body very easily. And that's what we do. We type uh, HLA of patient and the initially available siblings who are biological siblings. And if they have a match HLA sibling who doesn't have sickle cell, that we need to make sure, we can use that uh, that donor's or the sibling's bone marrow to do the bone marrow transplant. And in last two decades, we have done many, many sickle cell transplant, and we have identified that if we do the HLA match sibling from uh, sibling bone marrow transplant, the success rate earlier we do, the success rate is more than 90%. 
and in less than five, six years of age, it's up to 99% success rate. And we can help them cure with their sickle cell disease and all the related complications down the road. So uh, a good reason to be kind to your siblings, um, uh, because you, you tend to go to the siblings first rather than to the parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, who I'm sure uh, are all clamoring to try to help um, their child. Is that right? Yes, yes. However, the um, issue with uh, sickle cell disease patient, there are only 20% chance that we find the HLA match sibling who doesn't have um, also sickle cell disease. So we know that reality. So in our transplant world, we have already done the other forms of transplant where we can either use the half match, either mother, father, or half match sibling, or as you mentioned, some uncle, or uh, their bone marrow, or we can also use our beta match, which is our unknown donor registry, where many, many people have registered themselves and they are ready to donate their bone marrow if they their HLA details, which are already in the registry, are matching to the potential patient. And we can also do those type of transplant using unknown donor, um, either 100% match or even 90% match uh, transplant um, using those unknown donors' bone marrow. And so, you know, one of the questions that comes up then is if bone marrow transplant has such a high success rate um, in terms of curing sickle cell disease, especially if done at a young age, um, why wouldn't you do this in everybody? I mean, why wait until people are having frequent hospitalizations and so on and so forth? What's the downside? To, to doing bone marrow transplant. I'm certain that many parents, uh, when their child is just diagnosed with uh, sickle cell anemia, if you said, well, we, we have a potentially curative treatment, but we're going to hold back on that until, you know, your patient, your child requires multiple hospitalizations might look at you kind of funny. No, that's a very interesting question and a very good also debate going on between us as a transplanter and the hematologists who take care of the sickle cell disease patient. Because in sickle cell anemia, not every patient with sickle cell anemia has a severe disease. Some may have just the milder disease in the initial lifespan and they may develop um more complex or severe disease down the road. So initial time, and particularly by using this penicillin prophylaxis and regular follow-up with a multidisciplinary team, they don't have, um, we pick up them early and support them. So they are not having this severe disease. So, however, as I mentioned, as a transplanter, we do have a good success rate with the um, if we do the HLA match sibling transplant. So what we um, um, like work through is all the patients, yes, we um, recommend that they have their HLA typing and if they have a biological sibling, um, they we do their HLA typing and find out if they have a match sibling in the family and we keep that in mind. And if they start experiencing this complication related to the sickle cell disease, it is better we consider them uh, for a mad sibling donor transplant early in life. Uh, 
So that is one of the recommendation we uh, try to follow. However, I need to also, as a transplanter, mention that transplant itself, bone marrow transplant, is not a simple process like you do remove patients' own bone marrow and give them the new bone marrow and it's um, it's done. It's not a one-day surgery. It is a complex process where it takes time. So first we need to remove patients' own bone marrow by giving little chemotherapy to remove their underlying bone marrow, which is disease. Then we give new bone marrow from the donor, which takes time, maybe two weeks, um, to settle down in the patient's body and then they start working. So that requires little complex process and hospitalization. And afterwards also, we need to closely monitor for initial few months with some medicines and the, some blood test and regular follow-up. So bone marrow transplant is not a, like a simple one-day surgery type process. However, over last 10 uh, years, we have learned how to do it better with less side effects and less toxicity. I mentioned earlier that to remove patients' own bone marrow, we may we have to use some little chemotherapy. However, because initially we were doing this type of transplant, similarly what we do for leukemia patients, but in last 10 years, we learned that for sickle cell transplant, we don't need to use that um, high dose of chemotherapy, which we use for leukemia patients. So nowadays, um, we do sickle cell transplant with the math sibling donor with very less toxic medicines or even some of the um, protocol or in the study we identified that we may do transplant without using any uh, chemotherapy, just one dose of little radiation and some other immunotherapy and you can do the transplant also. So over the last 10 years, there are, have been a great success in doing sickle cell transplant better way with less side effects. So that needs to be considered in overall care or when we manage sickle cell patients. So find out if they have a HLA match sibling and if they have and the patient has started developing some complication, bone marrow transplant should be offered to them. And when we think about transplants, I mean, I think many people... Uh, know a lot more about organ transplants, for example, than maybe they know about bone marrow transplants. But certainly when we think about people who have had transplants, one of the things that we often worry about is something like graft versus host disease, where you can actually reject um, the, the, there may be due to a mismatch uh, or at least a partial mismatch, the, the, that either the graft, uh, the new uh, organ, the new bone marrow might start reacting to uh, your native cells or vice versa. Your immune system starts attacking um, uh, the, the new, um, the new uh, bone marrow. Does that happen in bone marrow transplant? And do patients who have a bone marrow transplant need to be on lifelong immunosuppressants? I mean, is that something that people consider in the decision of whether to undergo a bone marrow transplant? No, that's a very good point, And I would like to explain that. Yes, similar to organ transplant, bone marrow transplant patients also experience some like 
both the uh, side of the curve, either graft failure, where patients' own immunity, particularly those patients who have received many, many blood transfusion before they go for tra transplant, they experience complications and they reject the donor cells uh, or the donor cells may fight with the patient's uh, own cells and they, that is called graft versus host disease. So the main point here, if you do transplant early in their life, particularly less than 10 years of age, this type of complications with mad sibling donor transplant is very less. So that's why we recommend early bone marrow transplant. And the, just the last one query which you ask is, do they need the lifelong immunosuppression? No. Here in bone marrow transplant, we are completely changing their immunity. So once the new bone marrow has settled down, they don't need this lifelong immunosuppression. That is the main difference between the solid organ transplant and our bone marrow transplant. Bone marrow transplant patients are mainly on immunosuppression for may maybe six months or a year or a little longer, but afterwards no medicine. Dr. Nikita Shah is Associate Professor of Pediatrics and Hematology Oncology and Director of the Pediatric Bone Marrow Transplant Program at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital.